Father God, wow, you are so amazing and we just love you so much. Um, I thank you that you have crossed the paths <clears throat> of these wonderful people uh, that are in this room right now. And I thank you that, uh, that, that we all have stories that you have gotten us through such a big mess. And, and, and most people, um, Father, hate that journey. But I thank you for that journey. Today I thank you for that journey that we have gotten to experience and go through with you. Because we were never alone, and that's what made it so comforting. That's what made it to the point to where today we can talk about it, and we want to affect people in your kingdom. We want to bring people to your kingdom, Lord. Um, so, Lord, we thank you for being here. We, 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 just, uh, we, we invite you wholeheartedly in this room. Um, we ask that, you, that we would just glorify you in everything that we say. Um, we want to pray right now against the enemy. We know we have an enemy. His name is Satan. And right now, Lord, we just ask for your help to get him out of this room, to get him out of our life so that we can have a productive podcast, a productive conversation, Lord, that will affect many people in such a positive way. So Satan, you are not allowed here. You have no authority here. We're a little bit pissed off that you've come into our lives over the past few days and tried to disrupt things. Um, um, but you know, we know it's you. And you are not welcome anymore. In Jesus' name, you knew, you must flee. Lord, I just want to say a few words. Dad, we're coming to you. We want your loving yes. arms wrapped around us. We want your wisdom. We want your words. We want your voice to come through our bodies and project around the world. Lord, we have messages that everybody in the world you know, is, is praying for and needs to hear. And so, Lord, we just pray for an amplification beyond our means. Yes. Lord, we pray... Um, more importantly than anything, that your name and your glory has been given in this in this podcast. The last thing that I want to pray about is please put protection over us, our families, and this podcast so that we can get through it and we can get our message. Satan is no longer welcome here. And uh, we just want to thank you for bringing us together. Thank you for our nice, cozy homes, our beautiful vehicles that we get to drive in, our loving families that we have. We just want to thank you for everything that you've given us. And uh, everything is said in your beautiful name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Amen. Woo! Oh, I'm excited. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I'm excited. All right. All right, welcome everyone to the podcast. My name is Apollonia Rockwell, and I'm truly so excited to dive a little bit deeper um, with Brian Green here, my friend. So last, um, a couple weeks ago, we were able to cover your story on a highlight level, I feel. And what I'm really excited for today is for me personally and for our viewers to really understand your story. First of all, so Brian Green, everyone, I I admire everything that you do. You're a successful business owner. You have a paint and construction company. Brian is a professional networker, and it was I knew these things about you um, on a basic level. We, you know, um, I've seen you a couple times. We share the same building, and how I really got connected with Brian was interesting was we were just talking with Allison I think and David in one of the offices here and you were sharing a little bit about your story and you were talking about overcoming some deep challenges you were talking about overcoming and defeating drug addiction and I just remember looking at you because we had seen each other so many times we've Mm -hmm. you know and 
<clears throat> it hit me that day like a bus because <laughs> I remember because I got emotional so quick about it and I think that was the first time I told you that my brother had passed away mm. um, a few years ago due to a heroin overdose. Yes. And so it got me emotional because of your mission now, everything that you have overcome and what you're doing and what you're doing with the community, what you're doing to help impact lives. And sharing that story, it got me emotional because it got I wish someone, I wish my brother could have heard that. Mm. I wish that, Me too. you know, and my dad is, I love my dad so much. Um, he, I look up to him a lot, but he overcame addiction as well, a drug addiction, and he's a successful business owner. And so, I mean, my brother had that story to go off of as well, but I just wish that there were more people pouring into him because I see you mm. taking everything that you've gone through and you're pouring into people and you're intentional about, you're just self-aware about what has happened, what you've gone through, how you found dark, or how you found light after darkness. And I think that that's so special when someone can recognize that, hey, the worst thing that happened to me was the best thing that happened to me. Absolutely. And I feel that, I, I just feel that from you. So um, that's what I wanna dive into. I feel that a lot of people are struggling um, on a day-to-day -day basis, I think that there are people out there that have hit rock bottom. Sure. I think that there are people yeah. out there thriving and crushing their business and their family life is struggling. I feel that there are people focused on their family and their business life is struggling. They just can't make the first step when it comes to business. I think that there are so many people out there hurting and going through challenges. And so that's what I want to dig into. Or what? Are, how did you overcome the biggest challenges of your life? How did you overcome drug addiction? And... I guess how to get started is tell me about your childhood. Yes, yeah. <laughs> let's start there. I mean, I have so many questions. So, well, thank you for having me. This is uh, it's an honor um, to me to to be able to tell my story. Um, some people with a history like I have, um, it brings shame. Mm -hmm. It brings um, uh, you know the big church word condemnation, which is. Uh, which is basically shame, guilt, you know, all of these negative things. I embrace, I absolutely embrace my my, my past. Um, I don't have any regrets. I don't live my life in the woulda, coulda, shouldas. Wow. Um, I absolutely live my life as, as it was intended for God to bring me to where I'm at today. So... You guess, see that. Like, you see that. You know that everything that you've gone through... Was so that you can what? So that what is like? What's first in your mind? Is so that way you can impact family, impact people, or I mean, what? Because I think it's hard in the moment, right? When you're going through all these things in the moment, you can't always see that this is going to be for this is the best thing that's ever going to happen to sure. me. Or I mean, so I guess how do you think about how do you think about what you've gone through now? Yes, that's such a good question. So. Um, I didn't have a relationship with God. I didn't believe in God uh, bef uh, you know, up until about eight, almost eight years ago. Okay. And um, I wanted nothing to do with religion. I wanted, you know, I, 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 I'll be honest and I'll say that uh, I hoped that there was a God. I hoped that there was a heaven. Mm -hmm. um, being very egotistical, if you will, uh, you know, if, 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 if I made good, if, 
I knew that if I did something wrong, it was my fault. I had to pay the price, right? It was mm -hmm. my responsibility, if you will. Mm -hmm. If I did something good, why wouldn't I also take that credit, right? Twisted thinking. Um, and I made it make sense. It made sense. I was right yeah. in my mind. I, I actually believed that story about, you know, about just how you live. If, I, if I'm going to take the blame, I might as well take the credit. Too. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and eight um, years ago, there wasn't a relationship. I'm interested in that. Yeah. When your relationship with God developed, and even before then. So, I mean, when you're so starting really quick, just so I, because I'm just curious, childhood. Mm. So you have yeah. mom and dad. Yes, so I, how is that? Yeah. So um, I don't have a relationship with my biological dad. Okay. Um, I've had a handful of stepdads. Okay. Um, and you grew up here in Colorado. I grew up in Colorado until I was seven, and then we moved away. My mom and I moved away to um, California. Okay. Um, and that's where I lived most of my uh, life up until about thirty. Okay. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so oh, I, I, didn't yeah, know that. I was okay. a California boy. I was a city boy. Okay. Um, before coming back to Colorado here about, um, I lived in Las Vegas for about three years. Okay. And then came back here about, you know, 12, 13 years ago. Wow. At that, all the way up to that point. Yes. When does the drug addiction start? When does your, okay, so, so you, all right, not a single mom. You just have different yeah. step, you have stepdads in, in and out of your life. Yes. And you're living with your mom. And then what happens? So when, when you I move out, when um, when I the first time I actually um, dove into, if you will, or, or, or tampered with alcohol or drugs, I was 12 years old, and uh, was the first time I smoked weed and the first time I drank. Okay. Um, 12 years old. At 12 years old, I used to go to sixth grade. Um, not every day. I'm not trying to make myself. I don't want to make the story sound worse than it is for the sake of conversation, but. Uh, there was a good handful of days I'd go to sixth grade and seventh grade stoned. That's what we called it back then. I don't know what you call it these days. Like, <laughs> I don't I, know. I, 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 I literally smoke a joint and, and go to school, and, and it was. Which is wild. My, so my little. Because how old are you? So 12. Yeah, my, my little brother's 11. Uh -huh. I just can't. He's such. I mean, he's just a kid. Oh my gosh. Can he's you a imagine? freaking kid. Oh gosh, so, okay. Yeah. All right. So that's when you're. Because your friends. Your friends are obviously smoking weed and they're drinking mm -hmm. and you're. A lot of my friends were older. Okay. Um, okay. I was um, where we lived in, in, in California. I was the uh, one of the only white kids, if not the only white kid in the neighborhood. Okay. And, and you know, I don't have a story of um, we lived in, in, in a predominantly Mexican neighborhood. Okay. Ninety five percent or or better. And uh, but you know what? I was family. I embraced that. You know, yes. I mean, to my yes. friends, I was. I was just as Mexican, if you will, right? I mean, that's just how we looked at and it. And their families their loved you and took you in, huh? Yes. That's oh, how, that's that's how all the families... Yes. I, I was a family member in, yes. in a lot of the neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I went out of my neighborhood, like for junior high school, that I ended up getting, you know, kind of... Um, just the gangs and stuff like that. In the 80s, the gangs in, just outside of L.A. were really bad. They were like they were, like they were on TV. Uh, like with colors and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So... Um, all of a sudden, just living in the wrong neighborhood, being a very short, you know, uh, skinny white kid um, uh, in junior high school was rough for me. Uh, it, it, you know, I got pushed around a lot. I, it uh, um, bullied. So you're saying that was it bullying? Was it? Yeah. I mean, you know, I had a lot of friends. You know, I mean, I had a lot of friends that were boys and girls or whatever. But it was the, um, and I'm not trying to be derogatory by any way, shape, or form. So please, hopefully, it doesn't come out that way. But. Uh, 
some of the Mexican um, uh, guys from other areas, mm -hmm. other neighborhoods, if you will, mm -hmm. did not like me because, I'm assuming because I love where I lived. Um, also, just being a short white kid, I mean, it was probably, it was probably easy to pick on um, at that time. Um, <clears throat> bullied, picked on. I was bullied a lot through mm -hmm. middle school oh, and high school, but I, I mean, I feel like it's different for a guy. I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah. But so did that yeah. impact you in a way where you had anger? I feel like when I was bullied, I just got sad and cried all the time. And yeah. I mean, I was angry, but I don't know. Did, did you feel like you took it? I didn't get angry. You know, okay. it, it's so funny. I didn't get angry. Um, I'm a very self-aware person, and I take responsibility for my stuff. Uh, but I also don't take responsibility for your stuff. If you're going to be a bully, that's on you. Even though I'm, a, I'm directly affected, um, I didn't take that on in such a negative way that it really. You know, yeah, I, you know what? Were you were like you were like you're picking on me, or this person has a problem with me? But your mm -hmm. problem with me has nothing to do with me. It has yes. everything to do with you. So you were self-aware in that in that way already. Yes. Wow. Absolutely. It, I wasn't. I was like they hate me. Oh no! No, gosh, never went through that, <laughs> which is so good. Um, it's so good for me because. Um, the outcome of my story could be so much different had I been that way. I used to actually think I was different because of the way I thought. Because I did have special different. Special different. I don't know what you want to call. It. I don't yeah. Know. Once again, I don't want to boast uh, about myself too much. It, it, it's more so. Why don't people think like I do? Why doesn't he or she know why they're doing what they're doing right now? And I could just know why they were doing something in in subconscious. But I was younger and then. It was just that weird. is so, so weird. How, that's so yeah. good though, because it wasn't until I, you know, I had that chip on my shoulder because mm. I was bullied, and then it wasn't until college, and then I started getting my career going, where I was like, oh, these people yeah. were bullying me because they're losers. They're losers then. <laughs> they're losers now. You know, yeah, I just, awesome. I was, I, I had that anger. Like you said, you didn't have anger towards sure. them. I did. And I'm like, oh, their families were messed up, and this person was depressed, and this person had these issues. And so that's why they, like, I didn't gain that perspective yeah. until I started becoming successful. So that's so, I will say that it's special. I know you don't want to brag on yeah. yourself, but that's really cool that you thought that way. It was different. It was different. And, and so, I, I, I'll, you know, I'm reflecting as we're having this conversation. It's kind of weird to think back in junior high school, right? But I remember the mo that I was more embarrassed. I remember there was there was a, a girl that I had a really mad crush on uh, back then, and, and it's so funny because we're still really good friends today. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, her name was Sylvia, and I just remember there was one day when this guy Fernando, this was the, the this was the the kid that always for some reason found a way to pick on me, mm -hmm. uh, was 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 in my face, chest to chest, you know, whatever, and I had no idea what to do. He's like pushing me and, and, and wanting to fight, of course, bigger than me, right in front of this, this you know, girl. beautiful girl who was, I was like so embarrassed because I could not, I felt like I couldn't defend myself. Luckily, a teacher what came kind you? of broke up. Oh, I, I sat there and just was like, like a deer in the headlights. I knew I couldn't run. I knew I couldn't fight him. I'm not so I just stood there. I would just like lay down. And yeah, it, it was horrible. <laughs> yeah. It was horrible. I, you know, um... It was a couple of those embarrassing moments, and that was in seventh grade. When I got into eighth grade, I started playing football, started lifting started weights, getting and into sports. started getting into sports, and I became friends with a group of people um, that uh, um, uh, a group of people that were you know, bigger, um, um, 
once again, try not to be racial here, but there were a, a handful of black guys that we were just buddies, right? I was their little buddy, um, and uh, they all of a sudden started protecting me whenever there was trouble with with these gang kids. Um, I would go out to the basketball field, and they would they would follow me. And the minute you know Charles and these other uh, football players would come, they would turn around and walk away because you don't want to mess with those guys, right? And so I, I actually ended up getting protected, which was which, which was amazing. So I found protection, if you will, in a, in a group. And these new friends are great, but are they also smoking weed and drinking? Uh, you know what? I actually hung out with uh, uh, the clique that you would call Hessians or the heavy metal guys. Okay. That's who I was uh, smoking. We, we would actually bring joints and go out in the field at lunchtime and smoke a joint at lunch. Oh. It was horrible. When my mom this is in middle was, school. Break her yeah, this is in middle school. This is in middle school. Okay. So we're not even talking. We're not even. We're not even talking addiction at this point. We're just talking no. hanging out with the wrong crowd. Yeah. Um, I'm having fun. I'm being influenced by. Um, I'm being influenced by fun. Okay. Right. Because you're like this is harmless. We're smoking. Absolutely. Weed. We're drinking a little bit. And then tell me about high school. Okay. High school. Um, I got into wrestling. Okay. I stopped smoking weed. I stopped doing all that stuff. Okay, you're like, no high school, problem. I was, I, I got a 3.0 grade average. I did great in high school. I was, um, uh, my first two years in wrestling, I, I didn't, I didn't wrestle after my sophomore year. Okay. But my first two years, I wrestled varsity. I did really well. Here's the funny story. <clears throat> after my freshman year, I come back to uh, wrestling in, um, and we're doing tryouts, and I was already going to be, I was already going after my, my second year in wrestling. Mm -hmm. um, I did fairly well. I won half my matches in varsity my first year, which mm -hmm. is a pretty good feat. Um, and then all of a sudden, it's you know they sent out the notice saying, hey, anybody wants to try out wrestling, now's the time, whatever. Yeah. In walks Fernando. He didn't go to my school my freshman year, but all of a sudden, he comes to my school my sophomore year. You see negative, tense, negative emotion. Oh, my gosh. All those it was, like feelings that you had... Left in the past because you have a new group of friends. Yeah. Now it's high school, well, and I'm, you I'm see him walk in. Yes, I said I see him walk into the oh wrestling room, gosh. and I that all all over again. Everything that I felt in seventh grade That's just came I'm, back. Mm -hmm. It just you know, that when you look like a ghost and you're sweaty and you know whatever. I was so scared. I mean, just dang it! I was just like walking around. You kind of felt defeated. Wow. And. How does how does you know I don't I didn't realize this thing because I didn't have a relationship with God but how does God work? Here's what I hear: Green, you come up to the mat because we're gonna try out this kid. Yeah. And I turn around and it's him. He wants me. My coach calls me to wrestle him. The first person. The first person. The first freaking person. And you're like what? Oh it was horrible. Oh my god. So I, I am literally like shaking. You know, I mean, I don't. I would be I don't too. shake. I don't get nervous. I would. Nervous. I would be too. I was so damn nervous. But uh, you know. What, what? happened? Who I wins? I can't. <laughs> sorry. Thank I you. I absolutely uh, kicked his ass, and it was so cool because afterwards he was so mad. And here's what was even worse. I pinned him in probably 15 or 20 seconds. Oh, my god! But my coach was like, no, we're not pinning. He wanted to see the new wrestler go two or three minutes. So I pinned okay. him four or five times, and I'm like looking at the coach going, why isn't this ending? Yeah. Like, you know, I'm done here. I'm, I'm been emotionally over. done. Right? Yes. It and, and it did not end. But I uh, literally uh, um, uh, controlled that match. And, and, and the whole time, we get up, we were finally done, and I just walk away. Because now what comes? 
we weren't in a fight there, and now we're in front of coaches, right? We're in a wrestling thing, something he's never done, something I happen to be good at. And he lost. It all What's my fear now? That he's going to retaliate and everything that happened in seventh grade and yeah. everything during those times is, gonna, is going to start to get hit and start again? So what ended up happening is I walk outside the gym because now I'm just going to go somewhere else, take a break. Yeah. You know, I just had a, a kind of a tough match and it's okay to take this breather. I walk outside he and follows you. about maybe a minute later, he comes outside, hey, Green, or whatever, and, and uh, maybe called me, he might have called my, by, my, uh, by my first name. Um, he walks up, says, hey, man, you, you know, he, he basically said, you know, uh, good job. Shook my hand, gave me like a, the, the bro hug or whatever, and said, uh, um, good job, and whatever, and then walked off. Never saw him again. He actually, uh, after that, never saw him at school. He went to a different high school or dropped out or something like that. What was God doing uh, right there? I have no, wow. Um, redemption. Not... What's the other word? Not revenge, but redemption. Not just for me, though, for him. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, for both. I, because I, I haven't seen Fernando since, but I, you know, I hope and pray, especially now that we're talking about it, that, that he's doing well. I hope mm-hmm. that he uh, stopped that bullying attitude mm-hmm. and um, you know, uh, took life serious. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least I hope he does today, right? I mean, you know, who knows? I went through um, hell and back with uh, some of the story we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of how I perceive that story is, because I can relate with the bullying and all that, is is seeing him and you have those emotional, I mean, your state, your body, you said that you were shaking, everything mm-hmm. and all those fears are yeah. resurfacing. Oh, and yeah. not that it was a false perception that things were going to intensify and get worse mm-hmm. you know you're thinking well, what's it going to be like after this especially at, so i mean it's just fear i guess what sure. i'm trying to say is there you see him it brings up fear but it was fake it was not mm-hmm. real you're right well, because you're like you're going with that yeah. because it wasn't real because I afterwards yeah, yeah i mean it was real fear but you felt it in the moment but you did not know that afterwards he was going to go in there and say hey, like, good job, and then he's out of your life forever. Yeah. And it's like, how many times do we think that a certain situation is, we're just, I feel a lot of people, I deal with this a lot, is like, not pursuing something because of fear, Mm -hmm. not tackling a certain situation or a certain challenge because of fear. And it was something interesting that that Skylar said is, where do you find the answer? The answer that you're looking for is where you least want to go. Absolutely. And so I don't know. That's just what that made me think of is your life being ruled by fear, not doing something because of fear. But the fear, like you said, is false. It's not not real. real. I made it up. And that's survival. That's, that's That's how we survive until further notice. Yeah. Until yeah. I learned how to do it different. Right? So that could be one of God's plans. The other comment you had just made is out of your life forever. No. True. Because today, true. 30 yeah. years later, we're talking about Fernando. Now, Fernando may not be in the room, but God is using that story, that testimony, if you will, in our lives right now You're for so something right. better, for something different. Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's right. That's why I love God so much. That's why my relationship with Him is so important. Because I can look back at stuff like that. That's something I, I haven't talked about Fernando and that story in a long. I can't even tell you when. Yeah, yeah. Um. So then after yeah. high school, so then high school. Okay. So uh, towards the end of 
of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of my friends have graduated. I, I, had, a, I had friends that, go, that went to uh, UCLA, USC, um, uh, San Diego State. Uh, you know, so I, had, I wasn't the college guy. Okay. I ended up getting a job and um, uh, wanted to work um, and pursue an acting career. Okay. Wow, I didn't know that. I and didn't I, know uh, that. Yeah, so um, I was, uh, for my junior and senior year, I drove to L.A. Uh, uh, twice a week, and I took acting classes. I studied, um, um, you know, film theater, if you will. In between your drill jobs, uh-huh. you're out here also pursuing. So you've always loved to be busy, like. Oh, yeah. Because you know, I mean, so, right? <laughs> how All you show those. up at here when I see you and Pat, I mean, you're, you're busy and I'm like, oh my gosh, that guy's driven. Like you don't, I don't see you just taking it slow, taking breaks. Like I see you on the go all the time. So anyways, okay. so at that time you're busy, you're hustling, you're yes. making thing, you're making a name for yourself. Okay. Absolutely. And so when do... And then I've got friends that, um, you know, we're all experiencing different things. Some of those things people are starting to partake. Some of my older friends, if you will, the friends that were, you know, anywhere from one to three years older. Okay. I even had a, a really good friend, um, who uh, was like 10 years older. Okay. And which, you know, at, at the age of 17, uh, when when my friend Mike is like 28, 29, he was like the old guy, the old creepy guy, you know? <laughs> but we loved Mike. I mean, yeah. Mike is who we were cool with. But but that whole crowd, we, we had a place that we uh, that we partied and it was called, we called it The House. Okay. Um, that was the bar that was like literally the house, that, that was the, the house. party house. That was the party house. Okay. From drinking to ecstasy to smoking weed um, to um, we had friends that started dabbling uh, with meth or a crank. It's what it's what it's what we referred to it as um, back then, crank. And um, and your drug of choice. Acid was one of them that people were you know uh, the mushrooms. I mean, just you name it. But these are all party things. These are all things that we're having fun with. Because at this time, you're how old? Uh, Early 20s? 17. Oh, okay, still 17. 17 when I started doing ecstasy. Um, And um, I wasn't, I did enjoy smoking pot when I started smoking pot regularly, if you will. Um, It, 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 you know, pot is kind of a, like, kind of calms you down, keeps, I don't want to be calm. (laughs) You're like, I'm already, yeah, I don't want to be slow. Yeah, don't give me something that's going to slow me down. Give me something that's going to speed me up. Okay. So you're um, 17, older, older friends, other people around you are starting to experiment with some heavy drugs. Mm-hmm. You experiment yourself, yeah. and then your drug of choice becomes... My drug of choice. So, so here, here's where I think that I developed something inside that's already there that I think that we're born with. And I, and, and I don't really understand the chemical makeup of us, but I, I do know that scientists have proven that we do have a gene... Some of us are born with a gene uh-huh. that, that would make us more susceptible to addiction. Addiction. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean you're going to be. It yeah. just means that you have that possibility, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, and then, of course, uh, I was doing ecstasy every Friday and Saturday night for you know months. Started as a weekend thing. Yeah. You're working all day, Monday through Friday, and mm-hmm. then weekend is... Just party. Party. Okay. And then, But every Monday I went to work or went to school. Right, whatever, what, I, I was still responsible. Normal duties are responsible. I suffered. I suffered a lot. Um, when I became, so that, that's where I think I started developing the addiction because doing ecstasy um, and drinking was so much fun okay. at that age, right? Okay. And I am not, I'm telling you, that it, I'm, I'm telling you the real story. Yeah, I want you to I don't want to, I don't want to sugarcoat this for the sake of, uh, I also don't, okay, 
I also don't want to entice somebody. So if somebody's watching, please don't take my story. I mean, really, don't take don't don't take some of this story. Uh, take it for what it's worth. Take it, uh, you know, see the humanity in the moment. Don't become enticed Enticing. if you're struggling and, and, you're, and, and, and you've been good for a while and also my story triggers you, please stop watching and you know, make a phone call. Email me, text me, I don't know, whatever. I'll get you some numbers, but, but I appreciate very important. It's so important because I, you know, there's times that you could start, you and I could start, or not you, I could start talking to an old buddy who I used to use with maybe years ago. Haven't seen him or used with him in could be 20 years. Mm -hmm. We start talking about old times. Next thing you know, you get that feeling in your stomach. You get triggered or enticed. I mean, whatever the right word is. Even to this day. Even to this day. Okay. That could happen. Okay. So that's why I'm very cautious. But, but I, I appreciate also want to be your truth. So at the time, it's like I'm getting my responsibilities done Monday through yes. Friday. Okay, so it starts on the weekends. When does it go further than, oh, wait a minute. I can't stop. So, good question. So, um, and this is different for everybody. Okay. My story is, um, when I was 19, uh, one of my friends had some crank, and I used uh, um, crank or meth for the first time. Okay. Oh my gosh, I loved it. Really? I absolutely loved it. Wow. Okay. I am not one of those people, I am not one of those recovering, uh, recovered addicts. I, I do say I'm recovered, and I'll explain that here in a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, that uh, talks down about my liking for uh, what I used. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, that's why. I, that's why I allowed it to ruin my life. I think my dad. I, thinking back on my dad's stories, yeah, he's never been like, I don't know why this was going on. I don't know why mm -hmm. he was like, I loved yeah. it. Like it was. This is yeah, party, having a great time. Sure. So I appreciate your truth. So so Absolutely. this. Is, how old are you when you first? How old was I? I was nineteen. Okay. Um, and I and I and I used um, off and on, you know, sometimes sometimes two or three weekends in a month. Sometimes, uh, you know, I would take a six months or eight months off. Sometimes a couple of years off. And th wow. this was a roller coaster. You know, this was in my mind an okay roller coaster because it wasn't getting the best of me. Okay. Okay. Right. And I did this um, up until. Um, Gosh, almost until I was 30, mm -hmm. just, you know, and, and, you know, most people didn't know that I was doing it. Okay. I was able to hide it, hide it well, except, okay. except if I was using with you, you would know, obviously. <clears throat> but, you know, my girlfriends didn't know. Um, okay. Didn't family. Know did not use with a girlfriend. Uh, family did not know at all. Just a, just a small group of friends. I, in my mind, was better than them those drug addicts. Mm -hmm. I was not a drug addict. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was better than that, right? Yeah, I've heard and, and, and whatever, that's okay. That, that's how I viewed things. Um, and it also, it also drug out, uh, it, it, it took a long time to where it took over my life, to where I allowed it to take over my life. Tell me about that. Tell so, me about that. I'm in um, Las Vegas, Nevada. Mm -hmm. When and you're living there at the yeah. When you're okay. So uh, my fiance and I, uh, we uh, moved to Las Vegas from San Jose, California, and our plan was to buy a house. Okay. So I had taken a sabbatical. I, I had been in the paint industry uh, in, in sales and management for years. Okay. Um, and then I took a, a break from that and went into work with my uh, my future sister-in-law. We did um, recruiting for software and hardware engineers. Okay. Loved it. It was the some of the hardest sales I've ever done because it's. You know, it's just a real difficult sale recruiting. 
Um, but I learned so much and I loved it. It was also right when the dot-com era was crashing. Okay. So, you know, Angie and I, we had to decide what are we going to do. Mm -hmm. um, and we decided, you know, we had some friends that had moved to Vegas, people that we grew up with, mm -hmm. um, and bought homes and were, you know, doing this thing. So, you know, why don't we go raise our children with them? We'll buy a home and, you know, live the American dream. It seems great, awesome, you have a plan, yeah. okay, all right. So we did. We moved in. We, we lived with a, a couple of friends for like six months while our house was being built. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, I went back into the paint industry. I started out as just a, um, I'm a hard worker. And, and, and at this point in time, I don't fail. Failure is not an option. I'm going to work my tail this off. This is my plan. I'm going to get there. Nothing is going to stop me. That's correct. Type of mindset. Okay. Absolutely. Um, within six months, I was the assistant manager to one of the largest paint stores in terms of production in the country. Okay. We were doing a million dollars a month, okay. the store was. Um, I did that for about another six months, and then I got promoted into a position of outside sales. Okay. Um, I went, they gave me a territory that was doing about 70000 a month, um, and um, they gave me the option. They said, Brian, you know, uh, most situations when you go into outside sales, you should take a salary, and then we'll give you some bonuses on top of your commission. I said, no. I've been, before I came back to work for the paint industry, I did 100% commission sales. That's what I want to do. Oh. And of course, the vice president of the company is like, Brian, you know. This is steady. Like, this, this is, is like, crazy. This like, is... you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, just say that you should not do that, right? I'm, I'm going to suggest against it. I said, no, Scott, this is what I want to do. I, I, know my, my, I know my capabilities. Mm -hmm. I know that I'm going to make this work. Um. So he says, okay, but I just want you to know, if it doesn't work, you've gotten into a promotion where you don't get to come back in the store and start over again. Okay. This is where you, you mean you're done. Okay. You, you make it or you're, or, you're, or you're gone, right? I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. I'm, I, I, I don't see failure as an option, right? You still choose 100% commission. Still chose 100% commission. So, That's wild. <clears throat> within a year and a half, I built my territory to where it was, instead of doing 70000 a month, it was now doing a, 400, a little over 400000 a month. So you now, really have always been just so driven and like that grit, that work ethic has always been instilled in you. I mean, it really seems like that. I guess. You know what's funny? Because I've never really looked at it that way. I don't know where you get that. Yeah. I but, wonder too. I wonder. How do people... Because I've got it. You yeah. know? <laughs> Whatever it is, it. you're a hard worker. Okay, okay, okay. But while you're building your territory, mm -hmm. you're still using. So I, ha I didn't use for a, for, for a while. Okay. Um, uh, while I was in Vegas. <clears throat> um, then there was a night where a friend of mine and I, uh, uh, you kind of, when you're an addict, or, you know, when, and I didn't consider myself an addict, but right. I was still one of them, right? You can sense certain things about another person. And I had a friend who I sensed something. A coworker. Uh, no, a friend. Okay. Not okay. a coworker. This is someone just in my personal life. And I said. You sensed that they also used. Yeah. And I said, anyways, conversation, and it's just, you know, you almost at some point come out and ask, dude, do you do whatever? And, um, well, you know, why? You're like, you know, am I busted or whatever? No, no, I mean, like, dude, I party too sometimes. I haven't partied in a long time, but I love to party. And then so we started You're in your partying. early mid-30s. I'm in, yeah, about, I'm about 30, yeah, what 31, 32, yeah, okay. something like that. And anyways. It's like, I party, you're like, I kind of party, let's. Yes. So. It was just a party. It was fine, right? It was just, it was fine. Um, That's what you're telling yourself. It's just. It was it was just just a party. Still went to work Monday morning. Uh, still did my thing, 
and then you used um, obviously. I did use that night, um, and so I was kind of reintroduced. It had probably been a year, I don't know, longer, year and a half since I had used. Um, and you know, the way it, it, here's, I guess if you've since you've never used before, you'll you, you won't get this hundred percent. But the way I was using uh, meth is was snorting it. It was a very painful way to do it, and I would use very little, and it was enough to last me a long time. Right, like I I could do just a little bit on Friday night, and I wouldn't even touch it. Again, like I wouldn't need more Saturday or Sunday or whatever. I would just be done. You weren't time. using it to fuel your work ethic, or you weren't using it to get the job done. Is that what it? Or that's great. No, it's just party. Okay. Okay. Um. Then um, that same friend, uh, I had never seen this happen before, like this way. But the, uh, uh, used with a pipe, smoked it. Okay. And okay, so here it is. I'm one. It's almost like you know, like in my mind, I'm the guy that uh, that uh, you know the the high class guy that does cocaine every now and then. It's kind of a cool thing. I mean, that's kind of how it used to be in the '80s, and it was a higher class thing. Oh, okay. Okay, but I'm doing meth, so in my mind, I'm the higher class guy, right? Snoring a little line here and there, and uh, didn't do you know? I only did a little bit. Never did it during the week, only on a Friday night type thing. Um, but the first time I saw a pipe, crack pipe, but it was actually a meth pipe. You're like, this you, is you, I'm like, whoa, what the hell is that? And then I learned more about it, and, 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 and still, I, I, you know, when I first saw that, I probably didn't try the pipe for another two or three months. Okay. Um, but it's maybe becoming longer. more frequent. You guys are partying every weekend. You know, it wasn't even every weekend, but yes, more often than not. More right? often than not, and then your family doesn't know about it. Nobody knows about it. Okay. So you're able to keep your, at this, in the beginning, mm-hmm. I mean, I know this isn't the beginning, but at, during this time period, it's not affecting your work and it's not affecting your family. That's correct. Okay. So I think, right? I mean, who knows? I'm sure. sure. I'm sure I could have been much better off without, sure. right? I'm just saying that... Uh, in your mind, it's like, mind, I didn't lose my job, and my wife, correct. my fiancé hasn't left me, like, okay... That's correct. So, so then you guys start using heavy. Well, then uh, one night, um, I want to try. I want to try the pipe. I mean, tell me what it's like. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, you don't know. I don't know. I want to let you try it. Then why? Because, dude, it's you. Know, because I didn't get it. I thought, well, maybe if you did the pipe and smoked it, it was going to cause this such intense high. Okay, maybe I do need to be scared. No, it's not going to. He says, no, it's not going to cause that. You just you 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 crave the taste after a while. So when you and this is what I learned when you snort it. You don't want to do another one. It hurts. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really does. It burns. It hurts. It's disgusting. It's it's horrible, right? Okay. Yeah. Once you get over that, then the high is fun. The party high, if you will. Then I talked myself into uh, smoking it. Didn't realize it. Did not see it coming. But I wasn't smoking cigarettes. I didn't smoke cigarettes at that time. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, I craved meth every single day. Like, I wanted it more, right? Because of that taste. I don't know. There, there's a different addiction when you when you smoke. And I'm sure, I, I've never used a needle, um, but I'm sure there's also that same addiction with the needle, right? Okay. It's a, it's, it's a whole different thing. So, um, we had some things at our, at our, at our job. I, I ended up being, like, runner-up for salesman of the year. Um, I, you know, when I took over the territory, I was probably about a hundred, you know, number one twelve in the company, wow. and 
I think that we got down all the way to where I was about number 12 in the company. Okay. You know, so I was doing, I mean, we were doing good. Now, was my job being affected because of my weekend stuff? And then I had started every now and then during the week mm -hmm. doing some stuff. Um, yeah, it was being affected. It's uh, it starting, affected. obviously, to be affected. Okay. You're starting to be affected. Um, so then what? So then, um, this is the time when now the, uh, the housing market is starting to fall. So Vegas at the time mm -hmm. was booming. It mm -hmm. was crazy. It was like the building and the residential market was crazy. Um, crazy good. But in a market like that, it's also the first to get hit generally too, and it's going to be the first impact. Well, California, um, the California market for our company had already felt major effects. Okay, okay. You have our Vegas market in our, um, in our, um, Arizona market, we're, we're kind of keeping the company afloat. Okay. From what I learned, because my boss never told me this, I learned this from another salesman friend. Uh, what I learned was, is, is they said, um, listen, we've got to figure out how to save money because California is just struggling. Well, I was 100% commissioned. They're starting to make cuts. Starting to make, yeah, they're starting to figure out how they, so eventually what happened is the boss calls me in one day, the vice president of the company and says, Brian, um, we're done. Long story short, we're done. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. We're closing the doors of the business? No, no, no. We're done with you. We're done. We're done. I made, I made, I was making 15 grand a month commission. They were able to take all of my, all of, you know, they were able to take my bigger accounts, pass them on to salaried reps, give some of my smaller accounts to the stores, basically manage my territory and not pay a penny more, right? So they found a way. And I, I'm sure that the effects of my job because of my drinking and my drug use were probably being affected as well. So. The whole combination is this. You lost your job. One day I'm making fifteen thousand a month. Two weeks before Angie and I are getting married, we've got a house, we've got three kids, um, and uh, I lose my job. Angie doesn't work. Did you say two weeks before you're getting married? Two weeks before we're getting married. We had a wedding that, that, that the total cost was about thirty-six thousand mm -hmm. dollars. People coming from all across the country, and I just lost my job. I walk out to my truck. And I'm numb. I, first time I'd yeah. ever lost a job. First time I'd ever failed. Yeah. First time yeah. I'd ever been fired. But failure. Failure. My whole life changed. Did it trigger no. you to well, want... I called a friend. Sorry, I interrupted you. No. I called a friend and I said... He says, hey, what's going on? I said, I just lost my job. I just, no, you didn't. Yeah, no, I did. And then he could hear my voice. Something was wrong. Meet me at uh, the Luxor or wherever we're at. Let's have a beer. I want to make sure you're okay. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm on my way. Five minutes from there, we, we meet there. We have a couple of beers. And then he's like, dude, you, you need to get high. I mean, that'll make you feel better. I see. I, I, I mean, yeah. I need something because right now I, I, I don't know what I'm going to tell Angie. How do I go home and tell my wife or my fiance that I don't have a job anymore? Like, That's heavy. 100% failure. And the enemy who I didn't even know was in my life, right, had me wrapped time. around his finger basically and just was making all that worse. Piece of crap. You loser. You couldn't hold a job. You're, 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 you're you know, all of these things. What you're getting tell you. And so I, I literally, I literally, um, in about a 30 minute period of time, contemplated suicide over and over and over. I think that this is the best bet. The family will be better without me, because that's what you think in, the, in those moments. Um, I, um, we had a, very expensive uh, insurance policy, um, and I was very much worth more to my family dead. 
You're actually having these thoughts. I'm having these thoughts, absolutely. You get high that day, that night, I, or whatever. I, 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 from, from using recreationally, mm -hmm. more often than I should, you know, I'm not trying to degrade it, I'm just saying recreationally, mm -hmm. to using what, in my world at the time, would, would, it's called a teen or a day. So basically about $100, if you're getting a good price, of really good dope a day. Oh from about $20 a weekend to $100 a day. Whoa. You know, um, I, I was spun out of my mind for the wedding. Um, I've lied, 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 and lied to everybody because um, they didn't know what was wrong with me. I lost all this weight. I wouldn't sleep at night. Mm -hmm. I, um, nobody knew it was wrong. Mm -hmm. And I just, I played that for, um, well, from July, <coughs> sorry, from August, from July to, um, until I finally came out sometime in, in December and told them what was going on. I was going to say, from yeah. from July, when... sorry, from, yeah, from the time I lost my job. So let's just say the end of July to, um, uh, to January, the end of January, I uh, basically lost my truck, repossessed my truck. Uh, we were losing our house. I burnt, or I spent about, between gambling, alcohol, and dope, um, about $76,000 in cash. And um, did not realize I had a problem until one day my my wife Angie's now talking to my mom on the phone who lived in Colorado here, <clears throat> and she says I, I don't know she's having this conversation when I'm in the room as if I'm not in the room. I love him, but I don't know what's wrong with him. Now all of a sudden I started to get these guilt like oh my gosh, Brian enough is enough. So I. While my mom was on the phone, I told Angie, I said, you know, um, it's probably time I share with you what, what's going on. And I shared with her, um, here's what I've been doing. How'd they take it? How'd they respond? Makes sense. It makes sense. Now, now, are you ready to get help? Yeah, yes. And you knew in your heart that you were ready? No. You just I said knew, yes. I sure. knew, okay, this, I'm recognizing now that I'm an addict. I am recognizing now that I became what I never thought in a million years I would become. Right, right, right. I was a loser, and I was losing everything. I was on top of the world three months before this, right? Do you immediately get help then? Um, you know, we, we went and, and, and we tried. I didn't know what help looked like. Mm -hmm. and we talked to some counselors. Um, I tried, I tried staying off the dope. And, and, it, and it was the hardest thing I'd ever tried to do for mm -hmm. the first time is to recover. I didn't know what it looked like. How long did the recovery process take? Until my family basically, until we were basically, our house was going to go into foreclosure. Wow. Um, um, and I made the decision, listen, I think what I need to do is I need to get away from Vegas. I don't know that I can recover here right now. So I made the decision to go live with my mom out here. You know, oh. in my mind, I'm just going to live with my mom for you know, a couple weeks, a month, whatever it takes to yeah. get myself clean, come back to Vegas, get a job, save my house. Okay. Um, it didn't go that way. I, can't, I did come out here. There, there, there's some bits and pieces of stories. I don't know. There's so much to this. Like, holy cow, we could, you know. Yeah. But I moved out to, uh, to Colorado, and um, I'm clean five and a half months. Oh, my gosh. I was doing good. Working, 
Angie and I made the decision for to bring the family out here. I was going to say, did they move here to not right after away? The fire? Okay, not right away. We were separated for you know, that for five and a half months. Okay, um, okay. two weeks before, like we like basically we're packing up everything. It's set. You know the moving truck's going to bring all the stuff. Her and the kids are going to fly out. I relapsed. I went to work with somebody, um, and um, it was one of those things again. You sensed it. I sensed it, and then you know if you've got it, let's do it type thing, and then my life just went over on a roller coaster in a major, a majorly bad way for the next uh, four or five years. Um, they they end up moving back out. They moved back out here. Uh, I was already using right. when they showed up. Um, I put my family, my mom, my wife, I threw living hell. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't see it. I didn't see... You don't see that in the moment. Yeah. And the way you make yourself feel better is you get high again. Okay. Right? Once you're high, you don't think about the pain. Mm -hmm. The pain's gone. So in some sort of ways, you know, um, it was the meth that saved my life. Because if I didn't have the meth, I would have somehow found a way to kill myself in Vegas. Right? Um, not necessarily recommending that someone would go do that, right? That's no, just, you're just how saying the story of events is, worked yeah. in my life. This is just what you went through. Yeah. And I put I put everybody um, through hell for the next, you know, like I said, four or five years. It was when I look back now, man. Oh my gosh, that blown me. I can't even tell you how some of the things that that I, I remember every now and then. Some uh, a thought comes, or I'll drive by somewhere where I see. Um, Oh, I remember that place. I remember buying dope there. You know, whatever. Or just a memory comes, and I'm going, "Oh my gosh!" You know, like, still, like I, I, still I have these memories. Now I don't let them get me so far down. You know, it's just. It's the, a, it, go ahead. The pain that you were running away from at this point is yeah. the pain that is what pain? Pain that you're hurting your family. I mean, mm -hmm. how I seeing it is in the beginning, it's recreational. Yeah. Um. It's with friends, it's on the weekends, but you're starting to see everything around you collapse and again, again, and again, and again, and the pain that you're running away from now that you're looking at it, is it was what? I'm an addict. I, I, and I can't control it. And there is nothing I can do to get better. No matter how hard I try. Because mm -hmm. you tried, yeah. I did try. I didn't have I you know, I don't I didn't have the tools that I have now, but we'll talk about that in a sec. But in, in the moment, the only thing that makes me okay is meth. It's the only thing that works. Mm -hmm. And I can stay clean for a couple of weeks when I, you know the times that I would try. Mm -hmm. A couple weeks, sometimes even a month. There was even maybe one time you know, in this roller coaster right where I may have stayed clean, you know, three and a half months, mm -hmm. but could never, I never, I, I, and I didn't know why, I could never kick it longer than that. So then what? When I wanted to. Most of the time I didn't want to, but when I wanted to, I couldn't. I couldn't. And that's what was most, It yeah. was not an option. So then what was the shift? What mm. happened in your life? What, describe that moment when you were like, I'm done. Thank you for listening to part one. Be sure to stay with us for part two.